What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 25 of Anatomy of a Chef. I'm your host, Mike Howell. My guest today is Whitney Bond. Whitney is a sports-loving, coffee-drinking food blogger and the host of 29-Minute Meals. She is a contributing writer for Today Food. She's a cookbook author and an on-camera food and lifestyle expert. She's often featured on news stations across the country. On her blog at WhitneyBond.com, you'll find most recipes are made in 29 minutes or less, in one pot or in one crock pot. Seven years ago, Whitney's food blog began as a collection of recipes and ideas in a leopard-covered notebook. These dishes were photographed using a Blackberry back in the day. It says seven years ago, you guys. Now she's going back into her archives and making these dishes and re-photographing them with newer equipment. Even our iPhones are better than a BlackBerry was back in the day. If you're a food blogger out there, if you have older recipes, you may want to revisit them, remake the recipes, re-photograph them, and repost them on your website. Your experience in photography and in your writing, it's going to shine through way different than you did when you first made these things years ago. Your new followers will love it, and your current followers will act like they've never seen them before and just increase the click-throughs on your sites. Whitney's story is one of persistence and patience. After moving to California, she had to actually live in her car for like six weeks. Perseverance and a belief in herself has what brought Whitney the success she enjoys today. We cover these events and her food journey and a ton more. You guys are going to love this interview. She's full of energy, great ideas, great experiences, and just a real fun down-home Oklahoma girl. I think you all are going to really enjoy this, this interview. Now I present to you Whitney Bond. Hey, Whitney. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm glad you came on. I'm glad you found the time and your busy schedule to, to spend some time with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, got to keep it in the San Diego family. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Speaking of San Diego, tell everybody a little bit about you. What brought you to San Diego, where you grew up, or if you grew up here, and just kind of give us a little brief bio of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually grew up in Oklahoma uh, in a town called Edmond, outside of Oklahoma City, and I was actually a fourth-generation Edmondite. Uh, so my great-grandparents, <laughs> my grandparents, uh, and my dad all grew up there. And then I decided to leave the nest as soon as I turned 18 uh, to move to sunny San Diego. So I've been out here for, for quite a few years now and uh, plan to stay forever because nothing is better than San Diego. <laughs> there may be some people who disagree, but okay. You can't beat the well, weather, all, that's for sure. Exactly. And it's all about what makes you happy, right? So if someone's that's true. really happy living in the middle of Wyoming, then, you know, Go, go with it. <laughs> <laughs> Live in your isolated world out there in the middle of nowhere. How long have you been um, blogging in, in the blogging world? Did you, I guess someone asked, did you start it that way or did you start doing something else when you were 18 when you left the house and moved to sunny California? Yeah, so actually I came out and uh, went to San Diego State, go Aztec. And, uh, oh, okay. you know, after, after a couple of years there, um, I realized that I did not really know what I wanted to do with my life, and so <laughs> college felt like kind of a waste of time at that point for me. 
Um, so I left and actually started my first business. Um, I hired promotional and trade show models. So all the uh, all the fun girls that you see, you know, dressed up, walking around at Comic Con or you know at the bar, giving you shots of tequila. <laughs> Those were the girls that that I hired out. So. Uh, it was a really fun job when I was 21. Uh, I got to hire a lot of my friends to actually work with me, but I really caught the entrepreneurial bug at a young age. And then um, after that kind of fizzled out as the economy started to go down and people didn't have the uh, extra marketing dollars to, to put to, to hiring pretty girls to hand out shots, um, I actually went back to school and got my degree in broadcast journalism, and that's when I started blogging. So my blogiversary will actually be coming up in uh, less than two weeks, so it's been seven years. Wow. That's, a, so that's, quite, a, that's quite an achievement in this, in this blogging, because the blogging so-called business hasn't been around that, was it 10 years, 12 years or so? Yeah, I mean, I don't really think people started making money off of their blogs um, until, you know, maybe maybe eight years ago. I, maybe maybe people were making money that I didn't know about when I started right. blogging. Um, I mean, I think some of the really early adopters that started about 10 years ago, um, you know, were able to start generating a little bit of income in the beginning. But it really wasn't a thing to make money off of a blog when I started. Um, there was no Pinterest. There was no Instagram. There was no YouTube. Right. I mean, all these things that everyone uses to promote their, their blogs these days didn't exist. You had to right. rely on Google and email lists. There was no Facebook business page. You know, you had a personal Facebook page, but you didn't want to bombard people with all your blog stuff all the time. So it really was, you know, growing an email list and then just relying on Google to hopefully send you traffic. Um, back in those days, and I, I didn't start it as a means to make money because, like I said, it really wasn't a revenue-generating business at that time. It was just something I liked to do. I thought, while I'm in school for journalism, I'm writing all the time. I might as well write some things on a blog, practice, um, gotcha. throw in some videos because I was broadcast journalism major. I was actually uh, focused on sports broadcasting. Oh, okay. Um, so some, some of my earlier blog posts, I actually, I'm writing about sports. I have some videos where I, uh, I hooked up with uh, a classmate of mine, and he was also from Oklahoma, but he was a big Oklahoma State fan, and I'm a big OU Sooner fan. So we actually decided to do a show together called Bedlam Battle, where we would <laughs> talk each week about OU and OSU football and who we were, you know, who were our opponents in the coming weeks, and injuries, anything like that, kind of an update oh. report on OU football from live from Los Angeles, <laughs> <laughs> from, from my dining room table of my tiny apartment in Los Angeles. Those were those were really fun. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, did you work at all at um, like some kind of a side gig, side job to earn an income and pay for things? Or yes, I mean, it sounds like <laughs> yeah. it sounds like it was really difficult and tight money-wise. It definitely was when I when I first moved to LA. I was actually living in my 1998 Honda Accord for 47 days, oh so gosh. that was quite the experience. Um, and it was after that that I, I started my blog, and I kind of shared some of my stories about just how crazy kind of life was uh, moving up to L.A. and then just the struggle 
But yeah, I, I was waitressing on the side, absolutely hated my job, hated waiting tables uh, in LA. People were so mean. <laughs> I bet, I um, bet. But I do have some fun stories from it. You know, I waited on some celebrities. Um, I waited on Anne Hathaway one time, and she was the nicest person. I, uh, I broke her cork in her wine bottle. Oh, no. <laughs> So embarrassing, and I thought, oh my gosh, she's going to start yelling at me, this is so embarrassing, she was totally cool about it, um, I was just so nervous, um, but yeah, so, you know, it, it was, um, it was one of those things that I, after about a year, I knew that I wanted to turn my blog into something more than just something I did for fun, um, but obviously, still had to pay the bills, so. I was right. kind of doing uh, whatever I could. I moved, I, I moved back to San Diego um, about a year into blogging, and that's when I really started to take it seriously as a career option. And so I would throw little pop-up supper club dinners around San Diego, and um, friends and friends of friends would buy tickets. I partnered with some local wineries, and we would do wine pairings. And literally, I would throw these dinners, and that was like paying my rent that month. Um, oh, wow, interesting. It was, it was just a way for me to keep afloat. I was actually at a picnic uh, with some girlfriends, and I said, I think I'm going to have to just throw in the towel and get a real job. I'm just not making enough money off the blog to, to live. And uh, they were like, why don't you put like a donate button on your site or something like that so people can give you money if they like your recipes. But I never liked the idea of someone just giving me money. So I said, what if I started throwing these supper club dinners? And they were like, we love that. We come and eat your food all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we might as well pay you for it. You know? And I said, okay, well, that's, that's something I could get down with. So um, they were really fun. And obviously, my, my friends and family were so supportive along the way, um, you know, in the beginning when it was just really tough to try to get it up and going. But um, seven years later, yeah. here we are. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great story for anybody out there who's, who has that feeling of this is going nowhere, this is really hard. I think I'm going to throw the towel in because I'm not, number one, making any money at it. Number two, I'm not getting any affirmation from it. Nobody seems to be reading it or enjoying it. Why am I bothering to do this and it's just you just keep doing and keep going and going and going it's a great story in perseverance 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 <laughs> perseverance there we go thank you perseverance that's it <laughs> thank that, you that awesome. yeah i i know that you know we chatted about um the fact that you know a lot of people really lose their motivation around you know year two, maybe it's year one, you know, at the end when you're putting in all this time and effort. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that were in, are in my situation where at the time I didn't have a significant other. There was no other income coming in from anywhere. It was all on me to pay my bills every month. And so I didn't have, you know, the luxury that some people have of my husband works full time and I don't have to have a job. I'm just doing right. it for fun. And if I make some money, that's cool. It was like, I had to make money every month. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are like that, and they're like, okay, well, how do I stick with it if I'm not making money and I've got to pay my bills? You know, it's, that's when it really comes down to these things, like are you willing to take small catering jobs at your friend's niece's first mm. birthday? Like, is that what I want to do? No, but will I do it because I want to keep doing what I'm doing and I need to pay the bills? Yes. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I mean, Yeah, I think the thing with the vlogging world and, and, you know, whether it's 
you know, blogging or podcasting or if you own a restaurant or you have a food truck or, you know, anything like that. It's a, I mean, it really is just about sticking it out. Like, if you keep putting content out there and you keep working at it, if people will see that you've been around for a while and then that gives you the authority and then people, you know, see, oh, wow, she has 1,100 recipes on her blog. You know, she's getting a ton of traffic. She has a lot of followers. Okay, I can trust that her recipes are going to be good. The hard thing right. is when you're, when you're brand new on the blogging scene especially and you're putting recipes out there, you know, how are people going to have any trust in making your recipes for, you know, their family dinner, you know, next Sunday? They've got to cook for their in-laws and are they really going to go and make a recipe from a blog they've never heard of for the first time? Maybe not, you know. Right, the more content yeah. you put out there. And it's, it's really getting to know your audience. And that's what I tell people no matter what business they're in um, is, Find out what your people want because the readers of my blog want different things than the readers of some of my friends that are food bloggers. I'm not mm -hmm. a big dessert person myself, and so I don't do a lot of desserts. And then when I do, you know, they, they're not my most popular recipes at all because oh, I don't, that's, not why, that's not why people are coming to my blog. You know, people yeah. are coming to my blog, and I ask this question every year to my followers, and I love it because it really – you know, keeps me focused on what they want and what they feel that they're getting from my blog. I ask people, what do you, you know, what do you come to my blog for? Like, what kind of recipes are you coming to see? And there, it's always quick recipes, easy recipes. I know I can count on you. You don't have a lot of weird ingredients I'm not going to be able to find. You know, your recipes don't take two hours to make. They're not super complicated. Like, and so it's reaffirming, that's what I want to be making, that's what I want to give them. And so I, I reaffirm that every year, that that's what I'm, what I'm giving to people. I mean, that's a good point, because all we hear from everybody is, I don't have the time, I don't have the time, I don't have the time. I mean, if you listen to just young families, I work in, I also work in the, in the corporate world as well, and not so much you don't, but for someone like me who's in an office all the time with the young families, I hear these folks are just slamming busy from the moment they get up to the moment they go to bed, sometimes at midnight, because they're running around with the kids and they're taking them to soccer uh, practice or baseball practice or they, someone's got a, a band recital or something somewhere, and they're just going, 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 going. And all they want is somebody, like what you just explained, give it to me that's simple. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. It doesn't take a bazillion ingredients. And someone with mediocre skills in the kitchen can actually pull it off and feed their family, and it tastes good, and it's healthy for them. They're not buying, you know, drive-through fried chicken or something. Along those yeah, lines. absolutely, and that's that's kind of how I came up with my um, niche, if you want to call it that. Everyone in the food blogging world says you have to have a niche. You have to have a niche. So, I, you know, while I don't necessarily feel like this is a, a niche, it's my thing. Is um, quick and easy recipes with fresh ingredients. You know, that's oh, okay. 99% of my recipes. So, you mm -hmm. know, when, you're, when I'm out and about and I'm talking to people, you know, I take a lot of Ubers. I, <laughs> I travel a lot, and I, and I don't like to drive. So even in San Diego, I'm taking Ubers all the time. So, you know, I always chat with the drivers, and so they always ask, what do you do? Oh, I write a food blog. Of course, right. no one really wants to, wants to chat about food. So what's your food blog about? And so you need to have that, that one-liner, you know, that really hits home with people. Quick and easy recipes with fresh ingredients. I feel like 
you know, that gives you a vision of what you're going to find when you come to my blog, and then it's my job to make recipes that fit within that. Right. In fact, um, I'll just tell people right now, I'm on your website, and I clicked on recipes, and the two at the very top is a 29-minute spaghetti sauce and a 30-minute sweet potato soup. And then a five-minute yeah. homemade, yeah, and a five-minute homemade salsa. Now that is like, that's perfect for someone who just has friends who called up and said, "Hey, let's want to come over and watch the game or hang out at the pool. Can you bring an appetizer? You can do this five-minute homemade salsa and be done and pick up a few bags of chips and you're on your way." I can see how it resonates with your readers for sure, for sure, for sure. And your photography is amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I I'll have to share with you a couple of my. Uh, what I like to call my progress uh, collages. I've now re-photographed some recipes up to three times because uh. my photography has changed and evolved so much over the mm. last seven years. Once again, I mean, would you look back at anyone's food photography or food blogs from seven, eight, nine years ago, people that have been in this for a long time, I don't care if they're the pioneer woman, if they're the most famous food blogger out there, their beginning pictures probably suck. <laughs> like, oh, absolutely. We were all in that boat. We didn't know what we were doing. You know, we were just like, right. I, I, I took some of my first blog photos on a Blackberry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> How old people, I mean, they're terrible. I mean, they're, just, they're blurry. They're in, like, a, my dark kitchen with no lighting, you know, I mean, oh just terrible. So it's, yeah, it's changed a lot. And so that's, I actually usually um, republish recipes about once a week or every two weeks. Some of the older recipes that weren't necessarily optimized uh, for search engines for Google, that didn't have good photography, that didn't have a video, and I'll add a video, mm. and I'll update the photos, and I'll update the search engine. Because they're great recipes that just, aren't optimized for a 2018 food blog, you know. Right, right. And you've got the portfolio, if you will, to be able to do that. When you bring back an old recipe, do you actually make it again and style it and photo it? Yes, yes. Okay. That's a great tip for people who have five, six, seven hundred recipes out there and are kind of wondering, what do I do next? It's like, go back. Redo some of this stuff. Take a better picture. Yes. Re yeah, yeah, republish it. Put it out there for your readers to to get after it and look at it. That's a great idea. Yeah, and I actually, um, my my cookbook uh, is is no longer in in publishing. Uh, my my publisher was very small, out of Oklahoma, connected by a family friend, and they actually went out of business. Um, so it's no longer in print. So the copies that I have on hand uh, that people can buy through the blog are the only ones left remaining. I've actually seen people selling used copies of it on Amazon for over $100. Oh, my gosh. No kidding. It's, it's hysterical. Um, oh, my it, gosh. It was, it, it's called Buffalo Style Ditch the Wings Keep the Sauce. Uh, it's all recipes with buffalo sauce. So I'm actually bringing a lot of those from the book onto the blog now. So I didn't. I wanted new and unique recipes in in the in the cookbook so that if people bought the cookbook, they didn't just have all the same recipes that were already on my blog. I wanted them to have you know things that were new and different. Um, but now that soon after uh, after I run out of my copies, it's not going to be for sale anymore. You know, I want to bring those recipes into uh, people's homes still, and so I'm bringing some of those onto the blog now. 
That's a great idea. You probably get asked this question from other folks. Take me through your recipe creation, if you will. When you've done so much with a variety of ingredients, is it difficult to come up with something fresh and unique and exciting? I, I'm looking through here and I see a guacamole blackberry dip. Blackberry jalapeno guacamole. Like, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> like, that's, that's out of left field. Is it hard to come up with new stuff? You know, I, I do get asked that a lot. And it's, it's funny because I actually have the opposite problem. I have way more ideas for recipes than I have time to make them. Oh, wow, okay. So between kind of refreshing older recipes and then, you know, I do now now that I have 1,100 recipes on the blog, it's easy to take things that I know people already like that are working and just make something that's a little bit different but that's similar to what people like. So I don't know if you grew up eating sausage balls that are basically this quick, cheddar cheese and three ingredient appetizer. We always had them like around the holidays. We always had these sausage balls. They're like, as a kid, they were one of my favorite things. And I still make them for parties and people love it, right? Three ingredients. It's so easy. So actually today, uh, I made an updated version that's a Mexican um, sausage ball with chorizo instead of like a Jimmy Bean sausage. And I threw oh, okay. in some diced, diced green chilies. Uh, but then I use the Bisquick and cheddar cheese. So it's four ingredients, makes these little Mexican sausage balls. You can do like a little avocado dipping sauce with it or just serve them on their own. And it's mm-hmm. perfect for game day. And it, I yeah, no doubt. I go and like reinvent the wheel. You know, I mean, it's something that's similar to what people have already had, but they've never had it in this type of version. So it's something that's familiar to people but it's fun and new. And that's kind of what I've realized over the years is that people are totally up for something that's a little bit different, but when you go far, far out in left field, you know, you might think you hit a home run, but people are scared. You know, you're way too (laughs) They don't know what you're talking about. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, that's that's too far from what I know. I'm not going to make that. So I've kind of tried to reel it in over the years where I make things that are, are unique and something that people haven't seen a million times done, um, but that are still similar enough to, to what they know. Um, the interesting thing that, that I get asked a lot is uh, about, like, my most popular recipes. And I have one video that went viral on Facebook. It has 5 million views. Which oh, my gosh. Which start wow. to, like, think about 5 million people looking at, a video that I shot in my tiny apartment kitchen <laughs> um, next to one little window, you know, and I'm like, that's just crazy. But it's um, bruschetta grilled chicken zoodle bowl. Okay, so it's noodle noodle zucchini noodles. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so zucchini noodles and then a marinated grilled chicken sliced on top and then some tomato basil bruschetta on top of that. It's simple, it's healthy, it is really flavorful, it's really good. But if you had asked me which of my recipes would go viral, I would not have told you that one. <laughs> <laughs> you just never know what people are going to like and what's going to attract their attention. Well, just the name of it, it piques someone's interest anyway. And if someone is halfway familiar with food, it's like, really, what is that? I think just the uniqueness of the whole thing and, and people's curiosity 
more than anything, want to click on that and find out what it is. Right. But that's yeah, definitely. Do you like pick a, a day and plan out the week? Or do you just kind of wake up one day and decide, I think I'm going to work on this today and tomorrow? For people My that are... really is... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, for people that are, are wanting to do a blog or currently doing a blog, but maybe they have a full-time job or something in addition to what they want to do, is there a, a tip that you can give someone for planning stuff out or how do you plan your day out? Maybe they can plagiarize your ideas and copy you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think I think the uh, the hardest thing for friends that I know that are starting a blog but still working full-time is obviously uh, getting good photos. I use natural lighting, and I know that you know a lot of people want to do the same. Maybe they don't have the money to invest in a lot of you know lighting equipment and things like that right now. So uh, my recommendation is test your recipes throughout the week, like in the evening. So you don't want to photograph them at night unless you do have the lighting set up. Um, but you mm. can test them. And I actually still do this uh, to this day. Um, test the recipes throughout the week in the evening and then kind of tweak them. And then I'll, I'll spend one day, you know, making five or six recipes in a day, and that's the day that I photograph them. So, yes, oh, you okay. always have a ton of food in the house. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Lots of leftovers. Our neighbors get a lot of food. <laughs> um, I'm actually I'm making a recipe, you know, after this, and I have friends coming over tonight, and they're going to get that as part of their meal. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so yeah. So, so I would say, um, I mean, really, just like managing your own. Um, expectations of what you're able to do each week. You know, I have friends that blog full-time, some that post one recipe a week, some that post five recipes a week. So just figure out, you know, what's in uh, your wheelhouse. What are you able to do? And then don't overwhelm yourself. If you really don't have the time to make five new recipes a week, then don't try to. You know, make one a week. Right. Be consistent in whatever you do and stick with that so that your followers know, well, every Wednesday I'll get a new recipe from them. And as long as you keep consistently posting that Wednesday, you'll build your content up. But I think the one thing is it can get so overwhelming to think I have to make five recipes a week. I have to turn those into five blog posts that are SEO optimized. Then I have to go and promote all of those on every social media channel. And now I have to make a video to go with them. And oh my God, I just spent 120 hours a week blogging. I'm so overwhelmed. And, you know, don't, don't do that to yourself. Don't kill yourself. No, you know, no doubt. Goodness gracious. And you know people yeah. are out there doing that. You know that you know that's what they're, they have on their mind. And if you're one of those persons and you're listening to this, stop it. You know, throttle back and, and really plan things out a little bit better because you will burn out and your dreams will burn right along with them if you don't kind of take control. And things will come, as you can attest. They will come eventually as long as you're consistent at doing it. Yeah, and I think yeah. if you, you know, if you have one really quality, amazing recipe per week, you're going to have so much more success than if you try to jam in three recipes a week and your photography isn't on point or the recipes aren't that great because you didn't really have time to test them. You know, that's going to send people away from your site. If someone makes a recipe and they don't like it, obviously they're never going to come back and then they're probably going to write bad comments about it on social media and things like that. <laughs> so you need to make sure that if you're putting it out there, 
that you're a hundred percent, you know, confident in the product in the, right. in the end result. At the end of the day, everybody has different taste buds. Some people just aren't going to like things, and that's fine. Right. You know, I yeah. can't please everyone. I'm sure every restaurant chef can attest to that too. Ninety-nine people may love one of your dishes, but there's always going to be that one that says this is too salty or this is, you know, mm-hmm. too sweet or whatever it is. Um, yeah. But as long as it's just their taste preference. Um, that's the problem, and it's not the actual technique of the recipe or the ingredients or things like that, then, then that's not a big deal. But when you have people commenting and saying, this didn't turn out for me, you know, it became mushy or it burned or whatever, you know, then you really need to evaluate, are you spending enough time testing the recipe and perfecting it before you put it out there for people right. to make? For someone who's kind of maybe been doing a blog for six months, and it, finding it kind of hard to get traction, what ideas do you have to help them establish themselves and get a, get a foothold in this blogging community? Because it's, it's quite crowded, let's be honest. There's a lot of bloggers out there, and it's tough to get noticed. And I guess my, my, my question is, what marketing ideas could you pass along to someone who's fairly new doing this blogging? Yeah, so I, I think that the most important thing is where you spend your time, like what we were just talking about. If you don't get one person coming over from Twitter, why are you spending 30 minutes a day tweeting recipes out? You know, mm. that's one thing that I, I have it now. It's just it's that I use a program uh, called CoSchedule. They have a program called Requeue where you can actually, like, you type a tweet and then it just sends it back out every couple months. So oh, okay. whenever I create a new recipe, I create one tweet for that recipe, and then that recipe retweets basically itself every couple months. And then I oh, pretty nice. much never have to get on Twitter <laughs> because at the end of the day, it's, it's not worth my time. It, it sends me no traffic. It doesn't make sense in my business anyway, in the food blogging world. Um, right now, Facebook, with all their crazy algorithm things and really them wanting you to pay for people to see your stuff, I don't spend a ton of time on there anymore. I get my, my traffic um, and my engagement from Instagram and Pinterest. So oh, that's okay. where I spend most of my days. Um, so my, all my traffic to my blog comes from Google and Pinterest. So I do oh, okay. spend a lot of time um, on SEO and on Pinterest. And if you have a visual business, if you are a food blogger, then I would recommend spending time you know, there's so many free resources out there. I mean, you could spend 80 hours a week, you know, just with all the free resources, learning SEO and learning Pinterest if you have that kind of time. I mean, yeah, no doubt. Have that kind of time. Yeah. Um, but, there, but even if you just spend, um, you know, 10 to 20% of the time you have to commit to your blog each week on learning new things, then you won't have to go back and, and retrace your steps, like some of the things I'm doing now, where I have to go back and actually update old posts because they weren't mm. SEO optimized. And had I spent more time up front learning SEO and maybe did, you know, one less recipe a week, then I wouldn't be spending my time now going back and fixing those. Gotcha. So yeah. it's always changing. So, I mean, you are going to have to, you know, change with it and probably update things. But I just mm-hmm. recommend trying to spend a little more time learning up front, um, and I think that'll go a, a long way for you. And really, just figure out what 
what's sending you the most traffic, and then spend your time there and don't waste your time on the other things. I think that's, those are good points. Those are great ideas. Um, I have an idea. Most people can kind of figure out Instagram. That's not all that difficult, although I had you teach me Instagram stories because I didn't know what I was doing. But other than that, <laughs> um, Pinterest, on the other hand, seems like a whole different animal trying to get, get the hang of and, and learn. Did it take you a long time to kind of figure it out and use it where you got value from it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm still figuring it out. Um, oh, okay. Luckily for, for me, I was an early adopter to Pinterest because I already had my food blog when Pinterest was invite only. I don't know if anyone oh, okay. remembers those days. Um, so, so I started pinning my horrible photos of food <laughs> as soon as it came out. The funny thing about that is we, all of us bloggers, food bloggers that I, you know, I'm friends with, we all talk about it, and we have those recipes that we, they, they just got a lot of traffic on Pinterest in the early days. And because of the way Pinterest works, where if a pin is popular, they'll keep showing it for weeks oh, no kidding. and years to come. Yeah, and so that's, that's the difference between Pinterest. Pinterest really is a search engine. So you think of it just like you think of Google. Pinterest uh, wants to provide the best okay. result for people just how Google does. So if there is a recipe that you pin in, you know, 2010 and it's doing or whenever Pinterest came out, 2011, anyway, at the very beginning, you know, you pinned it, mm -hmm. and, and people are still repinning it. People are commenting on it. People like it. People whatever make it. They'll keep showing that pin, even if it's a terrible photo. So we all have those pins that still get <laughs> traffic that we, we kind of wish would go away because it's so embarrassing. <laughs> the photos are so bad, but then you're like, well, it's going to be lots of traffic, so whatever. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I think, I, you know, I've actually I've gotten to meet with a lot of the, uh, a couple of people that actually started Pinterest that were like part of the first, you know, eight people to work at Pinterest um, mm -hmm. and talk one-on-one -on -one with them. And it's, you know, the important thing they always say is just being consistent. So, you know, pinning consistently, actually getting on Pinterest and pinning things, um, that's really how they, you know, look at and favor people on Pinterest. So you can pin uh, your recipe to multiple boards. I think that's one oh, okay. thing that, that is interesting is that you can take um, bruschetta grilled chicken zoodle bowls. You know, that fits on my gluten-free <laughs> recipe board. That fits on my um, Whole30 recipes board. You know, so you can pin it to all of those different boards that it's fitting for. And, it, you know, Pinterest will show it based on what people are searching for gotcha. within the board that it's categorized in. Oh, okay. Well, you, you've probably explained it where it made more sense to me than anybody else that I've asked, for sure. So you just teach me well, all kinds good. of cool Thank stuff. Well, good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so other than a sharp knife, what kitchen tool can you not live with and why? Um, so I would say that a good skillet is very important. Um, I've been known to actually take my skillet with me. Um, <laughs> different thing, I mean, sometimes I have to if I'm doing like cooking demos or things like that. Um, but I do a lot of I do a lot of like one pan meals. I do a lot of stuff uh, in a skillet. So it's important to have a good skillet. I I when I started blogging, I will admit I had like the cheapest set that you could buy at Walmart. 
um, and you know, getting a nice set of Calcelon, uh skillets and pans really changed my life. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Do you, do you use an iron skillet at all? I use uh, my cast iron skillet mostly just on mm -hmm. my gr grill and my smoker. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, uh, I have the secret to the best uh, smoked pulled pork you'll ever have. Put a cast iron skillet or pot of apple juice in the smoker with your pulled pork, with your pork shoulder, and then it will evaporate into the smoker and keep it moist. But then when you're done, it actually cooks it down, so it's almost like an apple juice syrup. And you can take your pulled pork and dip it in the apple juice syrup, and it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just straight apple juice. Yep, just apple yep. juice. Oh, interesting. I'll have to pass that along to people that I know that have. I don't own a smoker or anything, so not for Yeah, me. I, I, I got a I got a Traeger uh, about a month ago, and I have been smoking anything and everything. We smoked cornbread. We smoked vegetables. We smoked. Um, all kinds of meats. I bought 44 pounds of meat at Costco for the 4th of July. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. This is a lot. <laughs> I hope you went to the business one and not the regular one. I you know did the go business. to the regular one. I didn't well, go you know, to the one. Oh, you should go to the business one. They have much larger selections of meats in larger oh, quantities for that kind of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, have to, I'll have to check that out. It's, uh, it's off of Convoy. Yeah, I yeah, they have, I've never been, so I'll have to. Oh, okay. Yeah, they got a huge refrigerator section of just, I mean, racks of all kinds of stuff. I mean, if you want to get, like, a ribeye, you get the whole side, and you can cut up the ribeyes as thick as you want them. And, and it's, it's pretty amazing, the selection they have in there. Oh, you can almost get a half a cow if you wanted. It's pretty awesome. Oh, very cool. Yeah, you, you need to go check it out. Anyways. Awesome. Yeah. If you had to choose three herbs or spices for the next year, what would they be? And salt and pepper don't count. Uh, this one's really hard because that's that's really how I add my flavor uh, to my food because I don't use any, you know, mostly no boxed or processed foods. And so I add a lot of flavor with my spices. But I'm a big fan of, uh, of spice and uh, Tex-Mex and Mexican food. So I'd probably say cumin uh, chipotle powder and paprika. I'd probably choose those too. Actually, actually, I put those on almost everything. Yeah, I put I put those on a lot. <laughs> what has become more important or less important in the last three years? And it doesn't have to be related to food. It could be the, any aspect of your life. Uh, yeah, I think time really has been has become a lot more important to me. Just how I spend my time, who I spend my time with. Um, what I spend my time on, things like that. You know, we kind of talked about that today um, as it relates to the blog and to work. Um, mm -hmm. but you really do have to, you know, in this day and age of people working from home and having your phone on you all the time, it's easy no matter if you work for yourself or you work for someone else to be working all the time. So you really have to take that time out for yourself. Like, I don't work on the weekends. I, I quit doing that a long time ago. I used to. And for some people, obviously, if you're blogging on the side and you have a full-time job, you might have to. But you still right. need to take some time for yourself because, you know, life is just too short. And you got, you got to spend, spend time with the ones you love and doing things that, that you really enjoy. And so I think really over the last three years, that's become uh, very important in my life. 
is just managing my time. And my family is, is still back in Oklahoma. Uh, my brother's actually in D.C., so I, they're all over. And I, I've got in-laws in New York and Arizona, and my grandma is 93. She lives in Houston. So, you know, trying to get out to see them uh, as much as I can, you know, is really important to me. So it's really just managing time during the week so that I can get the most work done uh, during my work week and then be able to spend my weekends with friends or going to visit family. It's tough when family's all spread out. And that's the reason why we moved back to California is to be closer to family. We were just spending so much time in airplanes and going back and forth just made more sense just to move back. And, but you're right. It's, it's really important to spend that time with the ones you love for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What is the best lesson your father ever taught you? How to cook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most, That's good. Most, most, people, most people think that my mom taught me how to cook, but my mom actually does not cook. Um, oh, interesting. She does not like to cook. She's actually a very picky eater. <laughs> so she doesn't benefit at all from her daughter being a food blogger, except for I, she, she'll, she'll tell me things that she likes, and then I'll, I'll make up recipes specifically for her based on her, her pickiness. Uh, so I've, I've made some things over the years that my dad now makes for her a lot. But, uh, but yeah, he, he actually learned how to cook uh, from, from his mom, who I grew up across the street from my grandparents. And the funny story about that is, when he went to college, he told my grandma that he was going to be a bachelor for his whole life. So he needed to learn how to cook for himself because he wasn't ever getting married. <laughs> he he meet, meet, meets my mom, Little Miss Muffet, uh, his freshman year of college, and they've been, now been together for 30, ooh, 40 years? Long time. Wow. Wow. Long time. Yeah, yeah. So married 40 years. Yeah, this year. So... Yeah, so, so that didn't really work, work out for him, except for, you know, now he knows how to cook, and he taught me how to cook. So it worked out for him in the end, just not in the way he thought it was going. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's, now he's been married all this time, and he has to cook. So yeah. It's, yep. it's tough cooking for picky people. My goodness, it's so hard. To, oh, to, yeah. All, all I want is mac and cheese and hot dogs or something. <laughs> yeah, my mom likes both of those things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to come up with some hot, really cool hot dog recipe. Make your own hot dogs and send them to her. Yeah. Well, she's been even picky about the type of hot dogs she likes and what she likes on her hot dogs. So, you know, I my favorite thing that I've or her favorite thing that I've ever made are chipotle lime chicken fajita skewers. Oh, okay. They're really good and she requests that my dad makes them like every week it's her favorite recipe <laughs> that i've ever made so oh very cool well i know you got friends coming over tonight and uh, i really appreciate your time and i just have one more challenge question to ask you and then we'll get your how people can get a hold of you and then i'll let you go and get on with your evening if you receive a request to cater a dinner party of 25 guests and the budget is $500, about 20 bucks each. The menu is to include two hors d'oeuvres, two main courses, and a dessert. Describe the menu that you would create on such a tight budget. Yeah, so when I'm cooking for, for large groups, I love to do Italian food. Um, obviously, pasta is really inexpensive, um, and you can make you know your own sauces for pretty inexpensive um, mm -hmm. So I would actually start with my crispy eggplant caprese. Oh, um, nice. It's always a hit at dinner parties. 
Um, so, you know, you, you basically cook the, the eggplant almost like you were doing like an eggplant parmesan, you know, and some breadcrumbs and then make it into a caprese. I actually put a little uh, prosciutto in there and then uh, fresh mozzarella, tomatoes, and it's very simple, you know, just a few ingredients, um, but so, so good. That crispy eggplant just really adds a great texture within the caprese. Mm -hmm. And then I would make my bruschetta recipe because it is so popular on the blog. Um, and once again, just a few ingredients, so not super expensive. Um, you know, you've got your tomatoes, onions, garlic, a little balsamic and olive oil. Another simple appetizer, but, you know, always a hit uh, with people. So for the main course, um, I would have to go with my beef ragu. It is um, number three most popular recipe on the blog. Um, back no in 2014, uh, Huffington Post named it the number two best recipe to come from a food blogger for the whole year. Look at you go. Nice job. Yeah. So that That's was really awesome. Cool and it, it obviously, it's been a lot of traffic my way, and uh, still since that, that recipe gets a ton of traffic. It's made in the slow cooker, so it's something easy for, for a crowd. Um, and you can get just, you know, beef chuck roast and put it in there with your tomatoes and rosemary and garlic and just let it slow cook all day. Um, serve it, you know, over a little creamy polenta or pasta. You know, polenta is really inexpensive too. Mm -hmm. um, and then one of my other favorite main dishes that I actually have to give credit to uh, Kurt, my boyfriend, he came up with it. It's a mozzarella stuffed meatball wellington. Oh, interesting. So, so you make your you make your Italian meatballs, put a little uh, mozzarella ball in the middle, and then wrap it in puff pastry and bake it, and uh, slice into it. You've got the crispy puff pastry on the outside, Italian meatball, and then you can dip it in a little marinara sauce. And it is so good and such a huge crowd pleaser because it's something that you know nobody's ever had. So right. Oh, that's really brilliant. Popular. Yeah, and then that like is I said, cool. for, for for dessert, I'm uh, I'm not a huge dessert person or a big baker, so I have one go-to dessert <laughs> that I make for everything, and I love it. Everyone loves it. It's Nutella chocolate chip cookies. So easy. It's a really great chocolate chip cookie recipe, but then you swirl some Nutella in it, and everything's better with Nutella. So nice, very cool. I had so much fun. I'm so glad that we got that we worked this out that we could hang out together. I really appreciate you uh, spending time out of your busy day and and helping me support my podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to be a part of it. It was so great to meet you and, uh, like I said, connect with a fellow San Diego foodie. Absolutely. Tell people how to get a hold of you. Tell us where your Instagram handle and your your web page and all that kind of good stuff. Yes, you can find all recipes on WhitneyBond.com. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is at WhitneyBond. Um, and on uh, Pinterest and Facebook, I'm WhitneyBondBlog. So you can, you can find me on there. But pretty much if you Google WhitneyBond, you can find all, all about me. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. This has been great, Whitney. Thank you very much, and have yourself a great weekend. Cool. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. You betcha. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Be sure and visit us at AOAChef.com for all the show notes. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at AOAChef. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.